Hi everybody, it's Jamie, your friendly neighborhood dungeon manager. Before we start the episode, we just want to point out that The Witcher is a show that contains a lot of extreme violence, potentially sensitive themes, and has some visuals that some people might find troubling. And while we try to cover these things as sensitively as possible, sometimes our discussion might delve into some content that some listeners might find troubling. So we just wanted to let you know before we get started, but like I said, we do our best to keep it tasteful and respectful. And now, on to the episode. Hello, fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Molkel, here with my monstrous co-hosts. Monstrous indeed. I'm Chelsea Hollowell. I'm actually a monolith that was just minding its own business until somebody screamed really loud a few times, and Rude. I had to lie down. I, I just don't know what happened. You know what? That happens to me sometimes when I hear, like, a loud scream. I'm just like, nah, I'd rather just be asleep. But then it was the weirdest thing. All of these creatures started flooding past me into the land around me. It's probably nothing. Yeah, you're right. Sounds neat. I should just take a nap. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You've been standing for years. I mean, you must be tired. You know, it's my job. It's fulfilling work. You seem pretty durable. It, it is nice to take a break every now and then. Wow, that sounds like an important job, and you've got it all handled. Whoopee, oh boy. <laughs> but who am I? <laughs> I'm Jack Olander, uh, an incredibly successful uh, alchemical test. Oh, that's nice. That's me. Oh. You know, a lot of people think alchemy is super hard, but it's really, it's simple. It's high concept, you know. Yeah, real simple, though. Apparently, oh. with a flawless execution rate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. One for one. Most people, Science is like that. You have an idea, and then you just make it happen. Yeah. It's like we you say... You it right on the first try, too. It's exactly right. It's like we say in the scientific community, if you don't get it right at first, just bail. Yeah. Just fuck it, you know, and <laughs> try something else. It means it's not going to work. Yeah. And that's called hypothesis testing. Yes. <laughs> And that's who I am. That's me. (laughs) That sounds great. Oh, yeah. Now, guys, it wouldn't be a Witcher episode without our resident Witcher expert who's going to introduce himself right now. Hi, I'm Casey, a beautiful man, and you just have to guess which one. Yeah, there's so many on the show. I don't know if I can even guess. (laughs) I can't help you. (laughs) Are you Henry Cavill? Are we going to do this? Are you going to go through all the hot guys on this show? <laughs> I mean, I only know his name as far as the actors. Oh, okay. so. <laughs> that was our one shot. <laughs> yeah. If it's not Cavill, I mean, If you don't I'm get lost. it right on the first try, give up. That's it's right. Not, you know? <laughs> it's science. <laughs> Better oh drop it. Now, Casey, I've heard a rumor. Uh, Uh-oh. Where is this going? (laughs) I've heard a rumor that you were our first patron. 
Wait, was I? Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's true. Dope. <laughs> so, listeners, you can't beat Casey. That's obvious, because she's already the first. She's already won. But... And so have we. <laughs> <laughs> Victory tastes so delicious. <laughs> but what you can do is you can join Casey in our Patreon community by going to patreon.com slash swordsandsatire and signing up for one of our monthly membership tiers. Not only would you be supporting the show and be cool like Casey, but... <laughs> You would also gain access to tons of cool perks, including voting on a movie we will watch each month and bonus episodes, like rewriting history and outtakes. Maybe more in the future. (laughs) We'll see how this whole podcast thing goes. (laughs) Wait, guys, don't forget about the drawings. Oh, yeah. There's some awesome duck art on there. Maybe more to come in the future. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Geralt duck? Do you hear their quacks? Their quacking rolls over the horizon, over the hills in the wind. Quack. If you ever wanted to see the body of a killer fused with a duck. Shining. <laughs> I thought you were going to say fused with a vampire. <laughs> Shining in all of its brilliance. Why, you'd have to go to Patreon to see that. This is the body of a killer. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, Bella. This is the body of a killer. <laughs> twinkle, twinkle. Is it? Twinkle, twinkle. How could she ever love him? A bejazzled killer. <laughs> All right, guys, so this is a satire TV episode where instead of talking about a movie, we talk about a show. And this week, we're continuing our discussion of The Witcher Season 2. We're going to be talking about Episode 5, Turn Your Back. Mm. Now, this Turn is... Turn your back on your Witcher. Oh, <laughs> 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 so Oh, Valley of Sadness. Oh, yeah, Sadness. That's what it's more. Now, guys, Turn Your Back is a jam-packed episode. We should probably summarize it for the listeners in case they haven't watched in a couple of days. Sounds good. First off, we have Geralt. Uh, so last we saw Geralt, he had been portaled to Sintra. Um, uh, Zintrea, please. Okay. Uh, Zintrea, uh, specifically to like a library where Istrid, our hot mage boy, was um, researching stuff. A hot mage and a hot witcher. What are we going to do? Yeah. With the blorbs and the yorbs. <laughs> <laughs> was that in there? Um, <laughs> this kid has blorbs and Geralt has yours. Oh, yeah, okay. exactly. Uh, I was like, why are their pecs blue? What? <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, Geralt is there to try to figure out uh, what's going on with the monolith. So he and what's the deal with those monoliths? <laughs> they just stand there all the time. Sometimes they fall down. Oh. Sometimes they take a nap. <laughs> Chelsea knows. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is a rough one. <laughs> that means it's a good episode. Yeah. yeah. Um. So 
They travel to the monolith to go check it out, and they discover that there is a giant, like, crevasse right. uh, in mm-hmm. the ground. Um, a monstrously large crevasse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Istrid tells Geralt that he believes that monoliths are these conduits um, that with a large amount of energy, they basically can function almost like a portal that allows uh, beings to transfer between the spheres of this universe. Uh, and It's almost kind of like they're uh, alternate dimensions and the monoliths are like conduits or something. Yeah, so it's uh, so each sphere had like different populations on them previously. I think it was like the elves, the humans, the monsters. Right. Um, the all- irrelevant dwarves. Oh, I didn't know it was on the fourth one. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor dwarves. Um, and then uh, they conclude that the conjunction of the spheres, which is a very important historical event where all of these different realms kind of collided together and you ended up with like monsters in the human sphere and, and all of them kind of conjoined, they realized that maybe instead of less of a conjunction it was more like a bump and go (laughs) like a hit and run yeah Yeah. (laughs) like a hit and run or something so what this means is that the monsters that had come through the conjunction were the first set of monsters and the new monsters that we're seeing are actually because these spheres have once again kind of bumped into each other bumped ugly yep and the monsters have come (laughs) back through this conduit kind of portal um, and they are more evolved. They've obviously evolved over time, so they're different than they were previously. Uh, so Which that- we've alluded to in an earlier episode with the Leshy. Yeah. Uh, and then Geralt and Istrid, uh, for some reason, talk about Yennefer. Um, and they realize- Why did you say that name? So Geralt learns that Yen's alive, and Istrid realizes that Geralt's knows her and it kind of is implying this is the beginning of a shitty love triangle which is my absolute nightmare um and then all of a sudden you hear siri screaming all the way from Kermorin, um and girl's like got a dash but I just want to pose something real quick what if instead of a love triangle Geralt and Esther are like you know how we can really show Yen <laughs> that is the opening of a porno. <laughs> Let's get back again by banging each other. <laughs> All I'm saying, Netflix top rated show, if that happens. Yeah. Istrid's hand just touches Geralt's waist and says, I hear Karamoran's very cold this time of year. Uh, <laughs> we can dream. That cuts to them being warm. <laughs> you know? Just by a fire. Yeah. Yeah, so we know that Ciri is kind of the one who's kind of bringing all these monsters in. We're learning through what she and Triss do together. Triss helps her conduct a ritual to tap into her genetic memories. You know, like you do. And during the ritual, it's not going as planned. Triss says that it shouldn't work the way it is. What is wrong with your brain, girl? The people in the memories can see them and they shouldn't be able to. And then um, she sees a lot of important people from her past. And she gets to a tree where she sees who is probably an elven ancestor of hers. She also sees her parents on the night they died. Yes. And the elven 
ancestor repeats Ithilene's prophecy and marks Ciri as the prophesied child of chaos. And we see the wild hunt riding in, and that's when Ciri had called out to Geralt, and he heard her her voice echoing through the monolith, which was kind of cray. Um, <coughs> but they did that ritual because Chris, Triss wanted to help Ciri kind of tap into her own history and help her feel like she belonged to something because she was going to do something very dangerous with Vesemir and take a mutagen that they created with her blood to become a witcher. And um, First new witcher in years. It kind of backfires because once after Triss saw the wild hunt and Ciri's ancestor tried to choke Triss to death, Triss kind of was like freaked out and told Ciri she was going to destroy them all. You know when your dreams try to kill your friends? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Triss isn't being very comforting right there. Ciri goes back to Vesemir, almost has the, t- takes the mutagen. Vesemir is kind of hesitant, and then Geralt comes back right at the last moment and stops it. And basically tells Ciri that, you know, she can't take the mutagen just to run from her past and avoid her feelings. They have to let go of hatred so that they can move on. And I thought that was a really poignant moment. And he tells her to go pack her things, but we don't know why. Meanwhile, back in Redania, Yen is concerned about the smashed loot that we saw at the end of the last episode. And instead of taking the ship with the elves to head back to Zintria, she sets out back into the city to find Yaskier because um, she seems to have softened on him a little bit and she doesn't want him to be, you know, beaten to death like tends to happen in Redania. Yen tries to recruit the assistance of a sex worker to find her friend. That doesn't go super well until the woman says, well, you know, when I lose a man, I always look right where I left him. So Yen heads back to the bar and we find that Yaskier is actually being tortured by a mage that we met at the beginning of the episode named Rince, who is a fire mage who is trying to find information about Geralt and Ciri because he's hunting down Ciri on behalf of a mage of a sorceress named Lydia that we don't know much about. But basically, Yen shows up, pretends to be a drunken wife of Yaskier, who is mad that her husband's not home. She takes a swig of alcohol, and when the fire mage, Rince, tries to basically threaten her with flames, she spits a fireball in his face, proving that she's not quite as helpless without magic as she might have thought she was. Her and Yaskier run out into the town, get into a lot of hijinks that include being accused of uh, Yen being a sex worker, and they're chased down kind of through the streets, Yen sees the sex worker from before who was helping her, is indicating to her to come over. She follows, and it turns out that it was a trap that was set for her. Yaskier finds Yen in the possession of some guards who are saying they're going to execute her. And then Yen, while hearing the voices of the deathless mother, decides to take her bargain and disappears in a teleportation event. Yaskier is apprehended for peeping. (laughs) (laughs) 
and Yen is sent to the hut <laughs> of the Undying Mother, the chicken-legged hut of the Undying Mother, where the Undying Mother tells her that the best way to get her power back would be to find a young girl of like elder blood Siri. who looks just like Siri, but with old lady hair. Yeah, and she's supposed to. <laughs> Steal her magic back, or like steal chaos back, something like that. More, more next time, I bet. Well, the deathless mother tells Yen that she can steal it back by taking Siri to a monolith in Zentra right. or Sintra. Uh, that's right. What an incredibly stressful sounding series of events going all <laughs> around, all over the place. But you know who's having a great time? You know, just a couple of queens. Yeah. <laughs> the queen of the elves, Francesca, and the the badass sorceress, Frangilla. She's the queen of Casey's heart. That's right. They're bonding. They're yeah. becoming friends. They're partners in crime. Yeah, that's right. War crimes, that is. <laughs> yet no, uh, i thought we were what happened you betrayed me Jack. well no they, they can be lovable and scoundrels <laughs> i love them so far there's no scoundry oh <laughs> is not, scoundry uh, i mean frangilla has a very questionable past and so but does that Francesca. was her past who knows what's gonna happen next that was like two months ago more, i also like, don't know what francesca has done i predict that their future holds more genocide yeah francesca was just sort of like angry that's not a war crime emotions are valid <laughs> she was sure. leading her elven fighters to massacre humans yeah whenever they could you know what? It's not a war crime if there's no laws. <laughs> <laughs> it's valid. She was retaliating against... Humans? Uh, genocide. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The Geneva Convention was written in an ancient script no one can read anymore, so it doesn't apply. Sure. Anyway, they're just having a great time. They're bonding. They're friends. It's great. And you know what else is nice? Kahir finally gets to come home. Oh, it's, it's probably great, right? Yeah, he sort of went a little lighthouse crazy on the boat ride <laughs> over. He started making some Willem Dafoe like faces. It's true. And it seems to have maybe gotten his face stuck in that position. It's true. Honestly, his mother told him if he makes those faces, it's going to get stuck that way. It's a good change, if you ask me. Moms <laughs> do say that. What the hell? Yes, that's right. So he gets to come home. He gets a little sassy with the elves, including Philavandral. Do you know who I am? No, I don't have any fucking clue who you are. But we keep asking you to sign in and <laughs> yeah. you won't do it. <laughs> he displays a surprising knowledge of elven culture when he says like a five part elven name. That impressed me. I didn't know much about that. Yeah. And then another, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say ominous bittersweet thing that happened. Dara is accepted back into a group of elves. He he is there. And last we saw Dara, he was being recruited for a little skullduggery and or cloak and dagger action. That's right. But you'll never we I mean you never know. Maybe he will just double cross them. I mean. It would make sense, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It would. He has no allegiance to a bunch of people who imprisoned him. Yeah. 
It's true. But anyway, we got two homecomings and a friendship. Sounds pretty great. Zentreo's where it's at. They're having a great time. <laughs> Visit Zentreo today. <laughs> Do you work for the Zentrean tourist industry? Uh, I'll hail the white flame. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Sounds pretty convincing to me. Yeah, we did it. We I did can't it. Guys. Believe we did it. That was so hard. Now let's <laughs> analyze this son of a bitch. So I've alluded to this already, but I had a little deja vu from another Henry Cavill property when Geralt and Istrid are realizing that they know the same Yennefer. It was a real, why did you say that name? Why did you say Martha moment? Wasn't it, guys? Oh, yeah. You're referring to the uh, the fan favorite moment from Batman versus Superman. I am referring to that very moment where Henry Cavill says, save Martha. To Batman. They also argue about what her nickname is. In 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 this oh, show. In the yes. Witcher, yeah. Yenna? Uh I think you mean Yen. Yeah. Cringe, you uh, might you might you're embarrassed. I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed for you. Oh, uh, I Yen. actually I actually just call her Yeah. Oh yeah, I just call her uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well we won't get into Tisea's nickname for her. Uh oh. Even though it actually like, we will be. I just be. call her Peggy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yike. Yeah. What if to say I did show up in that moment though? That would have been, guys, guys, been wild. Guys. It's Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Winnie the Pooh's a real son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You're acting naive, but it's all an act. <laughs> I am so not looking forward to the ensuing love triangle. I'm just so not hyped about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much inevitable at this point, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't even know. It might be one-sided on both Geralt and Istrid's part, because I don't even know if Yen wants to get back with either of them. I think she's going to have her sights set on Siri at this point. I, yeah, I think she's going to go back with Geralt. <laughs> Okay. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Istrid's a beautiful man. Yeah. He no, is. Istrid is actually way more my type. He seems a lot more like emotionally open yeah. and mature and capable of talking about his feelings. He's a his, career man. Yeah. He also is like a then guy. So is Geralt. Well, <laughs> but he, he cares about like helping people, but he also cares about like doing research and he's never been like someone who's really interested in the pursuit of power or anything. I know Geralt isn't either, but I feel like Geralt is always ending up in these like really intense, unsavory situations. I prefer men who uh, read books to people who who <laughs> kill monsters, who are, who are at risk of dying all the time. <laughs> I don't need that kind of partner in my life. So yeah, Istrid for the win. I, I, if we are gonna do this love triangle thing, I am gonna be Team Istrid. Sorry, girl. Hey. Also, uh, Istrid, he's Team Nilfgaard. Yeah. Ooh, you know yeah, what? Boo, I take it back. Yeah. Stick with Geralt. He's an independent man. All I know is that uh, witchers are a dying breed. Yeah, it's true. That's right, but no longer. Now that we have the, the, the juice, the science juice, 
The Witcher juice? The, the Witcher juice. The black ick? Yeah. We can continue the cycle of violence and killing uh, six or seven out of every ten children it's used on. I think that that part is interesting, though, when they discover, like, we can make the Witcher mutagen again. I think there's a little bit, it's not as long of a conversation as it should have been. But no, it's not. The it conversation is. between Triss and Vesemir, who are like, should we even do this? Is this ethical? Vesemir is having horrendous PTSD flashbacks about doing the mutation on Geralt and other yeah. kids from yeah. Geralt's cohort, it seems like. And it's like, uh, this sucks. And Sarah's like, okay, do it. He's like, all right, sure, fuck it. Well, I mean, <laughs> but he's also like, oh, this is hopeful. Like, it's No, he is, I understand. Like, yeah. Vesemir is frustratingly both like, very against the process of making a witcher, and then also, like, really stoked to be able to make more witchers. And I'm like, this is bizarre. Because when he's talking to Triss about it, he's like, this is great. We're going to make tons more. Now, this is goes back to something that I've talked about on the show before, and it is the cycle of abuse mm -hmm. that actually occurs in the real world, where a lot of times people who are exposed to horrendous coming-of-age rituals or other, you know, uh, forms of violence and stuff actually do have a tendency to perpetuate them onto younger generations yeah. with the explanation of, I went through this and I turned out fine. Yeah. So you carry on. And I think for Vesemir, it's kind of like this is an opportunity in, in his own way to have a family again. I think also Vesemir thinks he's going to do it slightly differently. Like, I I don't know for sure, but it sounds like... A tender, gentler witcher. Well, it does sound like when, you know, all the other witchers that are currently living at Kermoran, when they went through their transformation process, it wasn't just, like, taking the mutagen. It was also, like, being kind of, like, tortured or beaten or whatever. Like I mean, it's... Horrendous training. Yeah, like the training that they went through was really um, abusive, and I think Vesemir is like, "Well, I won't do that." You know, but Siri's literally like, already doing it. Yeah, but like <laughs> it's this weird thing where, like, I think you know the the child of an abusive parent is like, "I'm not going to abuse my kids." So instead of like physically abusing their kids, they just like neg the shit out of them, and it's like, "Well, I'm glad you like." don't hit your kids but like this also isn't any good it's like kind of the the cycle of abuse like you're saying but i do know that sometimes people will be like oh we're i'm gonna try to stop this abuse but they they they're short-sighted or maybe not short-sighted but what's the word for it like blind they're blind to seeing how there are other forms of abuse that they are perpetuating so yeah and it's complicated here of course because to some extent right now in this world witches are kind of important because there's a bunch of monsters that are popping out of the ground and the witchers that we see at Karamoran are some of the last in the world. People could be in trouble if there are no more witchers out there in the near future. Well, Vesemir does seem conflicted. I mean, he is having those flashbacks and it, he seems like he both does and doesn't want to put people through the process. He knows yeah. that it can kill some people and he's not at first is not willing to put Siri through that and take that risk with her. 
but then agrees to it. He's an indulgent grandpa. Yeah, he yeah. really is. Well, I know I shouldn't let you eat this ice cream after your bedtime, but come on. It's a very different thing, though. I mean, it could literally kill her. Yeah. So could ice cream after bedtime. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh. Um, he is also, like, hopeful that he could restart his order, though. And make more witchers he he links it to their history about being protectors of humanity yeah and vesemir has a lot of pride tied up with that yeah i think also kind of to continue on a slightly different train but based on what you were saying vesemir when he finds out that making this mutagen is possible he is eager to make it and then test it and siri is like i'll do it and obviously at first he's like, Ugh. but she's like, no, I want to do it. And he is like, okay. And Tris is like, wait, I don't think this is a good idea. Yeah. Shouldn't we wait for Geralt? And he's like, she wants to do it. And so they're both kind of like, okay, if girl says yes, then we'll do it. Well, Tris um, is a little more like, hey, like I have an idea. Why don't we tap into your DNA brain and yeah. check out what's going on in there? She tries to find other solutions to give Siri the sort of fulfillment that Siri is currently feeling like she needs. You want to get a tattoo? Um, how about a new jacket? Yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> you were saying that the reason that Siri is going so hard into this is because she's trying to find new meaning in her life. Yeah, she she says to Tris how she feels like she has lost a lot and she feels really responsible for a lot of the deaths around her. And I think she not only wants to find a a new purpose or a new goal in life after like losing every thing that she thought she had. She also, I think wants to feel like she's making up for the damages that she feels she's caused. Yeah, she's seeking redemption. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's similar to, like, Yen's need to find a new purpose, but right. different in that there's a lot of, like, remorse in yeah. this as well. It's not just, like, I've lost everything and I don't know what to do, which is true for her, but there's also the added, like, I lost everything and I am the problem. And yeah. I caused all of this pain and grief. She kind of takes all the destruction onto her own shoulders mm-hmm. in terms of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And she wants to actually do something to heal those wounds. Yeah. I'm really glad that she is indicating some level of like awareness of her actions. She even says something to the effect of like, I'm always thinking about the consequence of my actions. Because I remember when she wasn't. I remember when she would often just like brashly make decisions without really thinking about how it impacted the people around her. Well, Vesemir kind of uh, recaps series like arc up to this point in this episode where he's like, oh, like, yeah, I thought you were going to be a spoiled little princess. And you are. Yeah. But also, you're a lovable scamp. You're training like a witcher. (laughs) We like you here. But I think she's also starting to really understand the impact of a lot of her actions. Like, I remember she almost got Dara killed, you know? And I remember being really angry about that because she just, like, does not consider anybody else around her because she's a privileged princess. (laughs) Um, and we get the uh, Dara pointing that out to her, yeah. uh, like, flashback in yeah. her little dream vision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I really appreciate that she has, like, 
grown and now sees like that her actions have consequences and now she is dealing with the kind of like I guess ramifications of becoming self-aware about her own actions you know I think that happens to everybody like you know you live this kind of like not mindless but kind of like carefree a little bit careless like you just aren't being considerate of others and then somebody tells you like you've been stepping on other people's feet this whole time and you like look at yourself and you're like fuck I'm an asshole (laughs) you know and I think she's having a little bit of this like fuck I've like caused so much pain and suffering and there's now this like self-flagellation and like desire to like redeem herself i mean for a while series primary like acts of transgression were playing knuckle bones Mm -hmm. with her friends and like pretending to be a peasant yeah and then like she gets thrust out into the world in season one on this deadly dangerous life-changing series of events where she like you said, like, meets Dara, and, like, they have some life-threatening encounters, and then, like, almost gets killed by the Doppler, and, and like, it be- knows she's being hunted now, and all this stuff. Actually, I'm not sure. Does she know? I don't think that- she knows. She doesn't know that she was the reason for Sintra being taken. Okay. No. I don't think she knows, but I think she does know that, like, the mm. monolith... And the monsters might be related to her in right. some way. Yeah, she does know that. I think Queen Calanthe did tell her that they were there for her and that she had to get away, but I don't remember for sure. We just watched it. but There's a lot that happens in both seasons. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think Queen Calanthe implies that they want her, but I don't think Queen Calanthe has ever been explicit in what anyone would want to do with her um and she's obviously very protective of her and and siri does know that like siri is very aware that her grandma has always been like really overprotective of her she says yeah. like why yeah. have i been protected my whole life why have i been so sheltered why have i confined you know? to the castle basically yeah. unless she sneaks out yeah. she's but, piecing it together so besides trying to find new meaning she's also trying to find a place to belong i mean part mm-hmm. of why she wants to become a witcher is so that she can really feel like she belongs there and she can be like Geralt. Yeah, and I think like we see Siri trying to find her role models often in this yeah, season. Like yeah. you know, she imitates Triss's hair and when she meets the Bruxa in the first episode, you know, uh she's like bonding with her about I think like hair or outfits or yeah. I think it's yeah like well she gets a dress clothes. From her. yeah she gets a dress from her and she like still has it too yeah and I think she I think she definitely like is trying to find her role model trying to find who she should model herself after she sees Geralt and sees that Geralt like suppresses his feelings and like you know is super stoic and she's like I want to be like you and he's like no you don't and you know the <laughs> the, the classic father daughter <laughs> yeah. dynamic The irony of that situation is kind of that, like, Geralt is insisting, like, you don't want to be like me, but he is not setting a very good role model to not be like him because he's like, but dad, you're so cool. Look at how cool I am. But also, like, he's not leading by example. You know, he's insisting, don't do all the things that I did. He didn't want her to become a warrior. He doesn't want her to become a, a witcher. He doesn't want her to take the mutagen. He doesn't want, like... 
He doesn't want her to have any of the things that he had because he feels traumatized by his experiences. Yeah. He tells her, she says, nothing I do is ever enough. And he tells her, you are enough. Oh, that was sweet. I like that moment. That was really Mm -hmm. sweet. She seemed to like be shocked and take that in. And I don't know if she ever really had anybody tell her that or like realize that she could be valued for who she is without having to be something else. I I get the feeling that Calanthe kind of did, but hit it under a different stoicism than Mm -hmm. Geralt's. Geralt has just come right out and said it, which yeah. was kind of surprising, yeah. honestly. Well, he he said something similar to Yennefer, too. Yeah. Um, you know, in you season one. You mean something one. to me, or you're special yeah. to me, yeah. Yeah. Also, she... real quick, while they're talking in this scene when she's about to get stuck by Vesemir, Vesemir's just sitting there not saying anything, and they're not even acknowledging him. He's like, I guess I'm just an asshole here, then. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking... Just with this, like, five-needle syringe. Just, yeah. like, sitting there like, what do I do? Siri's <laughs> arm is already tied off. <laughs> yeah, and I think the the weird thing about this is like, you know, Geralt is not leading by example and he's telling her like, no, you shouldn't follow after me. Don't do any of the things that I'm doing. But he doesn't really seem to be giving Siri much of a, uh, an ability to call her own shots on her own body. I think that this scene actually in some ways kind of resembles, um, Yennefer's scene when she is going to get um her uterus taken out yeah, yeah. to become a hot girl. It's very <laughs> but it's 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 really similar. Like both of them are basically saying, I want to do this thing that might kill me, that is going to hurt, that is going to be painful, so that I can become more powerful because I feel like no one will value me or that I'm like not enough. Yeah. I mean it's it's almost the same exact scene. Yeah. Except the difference here is that somebody stopped right. uh Siri. Also Yen was over thirty and Siri's like fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> but they but they both had this like really naive or maybe not naive, but like very deeply emotional and not quite considered motivation. Right. You know, they were just like, I wanna do this thing and it's like think about the bigger picture here. They're not considering all the consequences. Oh, yeah. But I think there's so many parallels we've been seeing between Ciri's Witcher, you know, school versus uh, Yen's Witch School. Um, (laughs) And I just think it's interesting because in a lot of ways, Ciri is getting kind of the uh, guidance that Yennefer never got. And I think that's going to make a huge difference in terms of um how Siri is able to like handle the world and be I think she's gonna you know if she if she manages to live till she's older because I don't know what the fuck is gonna happen in this yeah. show um if she does manage to become an adult I think she's gonna be a lot more like put together it creates an interesting parallel between Geralt and Tissaia as kind of mentors mm-hmm. oh, yeah. to these characters because Tissaia was a like push and prod and humiliate and kind of like push everyone to their limits type of mm-hmm. mentor. Well, and yeah, the one that breaks their mentees down yeah, and so they can build them back up, which is super toxic and I don't support that style. Yeah, yeah. it's fucked up, but to say it, we know does care deeply for Yen. 
now. I mean, it, it, she had a really weird way of showing it right early on, yeah. but it was this maybe misguided, but yeah. it was to say as experience where she kind of saw herself in Yen early on. Yeah. Geralt is trying to do the opposite approach of guiding Siri away from a destructive path, uh, a potentially destructive path. You know what I think is interesting too is that Tissaia is a very big part of Yennefer's kind of like formative years and I feel like Tissaia hasn't really grappled with the impacts that she has on Yen. You know, she's so quick to kind of mock Yen and tease Yen for like constantly being in pursuit of of something and not knowing what it is but I think Tissaia never acknowledges her own like culpability um in Yennefer always feeling like she's not enough (laughs) yeah I think that's a really interesting thing because these people both Geralt and Tissaia are these parent figures yeah and Geralt is trying his best not to fuck Ciri up and Tissaia did not try at all. No. She didn't care. She's like, how can I fuck this girl up? Yeah, yep. and now that, you know, Yen's, like, an adult, I mean, she was an adult before, too, but, you know, now that Yen is, like, kind of in her, uh, what would be for a normal person, probably, like, their 30s. Yeah, she's, um, like, 90 or something. But. Yeah. Tissaia still doesn't seem to acknowledge her, like, responsibility in... Yen feeling like she can't ever be good enough. And I think that's that's like a really common thing in a lot of people's mm. relationships with their parents, where their parents were really toxic and abusive. And yet when you're like, yeah, I'm fucked up now because you helped me get this fucked up. And their parents are like, nah, 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 nah. I learned it from you, mom. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Nobody ever seems to want to take responsibility for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And she's so quick to judge Yennefer, but she's unwilling to see how she might be responsible for some of the things she judges her for. Meanwhile, Geralt is going a more cautious route because he has seen firsthand what a life of violence and witchering will do. Yeah. So we've been talking about Geralt and Ciri's interaction, and he tells her that it's the old hatreds that will hold you back. Mm-hmm. And she kind of talks about her grandmother. and <laughs> Who is filled with old hatreds. Yeah, and, <laughs> and this is with Vesemir earlier in the episode when he helps her figure out, uh, he kind of leads her to figure out that she has elder blood and that she's part elven. And she didn't seem to know that. But right. um, Queen Calanthe does. And Siri was like, oh, but she always hated the elves. And Vesemir says, oh, sometimes we hate that which we hate the most about ourselves. You know, that was a great line that really um, stood out to me because I have talked to psychologists who have said the same thing. That if, you know, people say somebody in my family who treats me poorly, you know, I've therapist friend of mine said hmm i wonder what it is in herself that she sees in you and i was like ah vesemir is kind of doing the same thing he's psychoanalyzing calanthe yeah i think the other interesting part about that though too is that calanthe has made it clear that the powers that come with this like elven blood skipped her yes and there might be a lot of bitterness in that Mm -hmm. absolutely um i think she feels powerless compared to like some of her uh 
ancestors. And that might actually be why she felt like she had to rule with such an iron fist as, like, a compensation. She committed genocide against the elves that lived in her realm. Yeah. And it could have been... We don't know her backstory and her interaction with her mother, who did have magical abilities. Right. But you could imagine that somebody like her, who's so headstrong and assertive, would feel pretty frustrated and bitter if her mother kind of rejected her for not having magical abilities. Yeah. Her her severe hatred and reaction could be in response to something like that. Yeah. And she was terrified of Pavetta's power. Yeah. yeah. So that is kind of like reliving ancestral trauma and Geralt and Triss are kind of trying to help Siri break away from that. Yeah. We'll see if they can break the cycle of abuse. Mm. That's right. In other news. (laughs) I also wanted to look at Geralt and Istrid's interaction from earlier. Casey, you pointed out that Geralt is being sort of critical of mages Mm -hmm. in a kind of... Dickish? Yeah, dickish way. Kind of hypocritical, I think. Yeah. He was bashing mages. Yeah. Saying that they live for too long. Yeah. Istrid was basically uh, probably right <laughs> about the things he was saying. He's like, maybe the conjunction of the spheres and the monolith conduit, sphere bump conduit. Yeah. And, uh, Make monster, yes. Geralt, the, what the fuck are you saying, right? Geralt's like, I just kill him. I don't know. Yeah. Geralt says, uh, I worry about you mages. I think maybe humans might live too long. It's like, bitch, you're human. You were also no. He's a mutant. Yeah, but he is—he is a human who got mutated. Yes, but he's a super witcher. He's so different from humans, more than other witchers. Yes. How do you know that? It's the white hair. (laughs) (laughs) It is actually. Well, he's talked about as being stronger than other witchers, and he was actually given. Stronger mutagens than some of the other recruits. He um, he resisted them better, probably because Geralt's mother has magical origins too. His mother was a mage or a sorceress. Also, she fucked a snowman. So his <laughs> That's right. We find that out in episode two. Oh my god! Or yes. three. His hair used to be brown. That's what the the, uh, goat man says to Geralt. Geralt's like, did your mother fuck a goat? And the goat man's like, did your mother fuck a snowman? Oh my god. It was pretty good. That's good. Mm -hmm. I thought you were Uh, making a frozen callback. Oh no! The body horror of Olaf! You wanna fuck a snowman? Yeah. (laughs) Do you wanna make a witcher? Oh, a cold snow dick? Uh, <laughs> or is it just another it's carrot? Just carrots. You see, <laughs> I've been impaled can be used in so many contexts. <laughs> yeah. You see, it's been like this for years. The um, body horror. But when it comes to Istrid and Geralt having their little chat about mages, yeah. they also talk about some of the lore of why witchers were made in the first place. Right, right. yeah. It's because since the conjunction of the spheres, one of the things that was brought into this world were the monsters. Which mages used to try to control. That's right. They made, like, military units, it sounded like, out of 
the monsters in this world. But they couldn't fucking control monsters. Because they're crazy. <laughs> mages, they're wild. And so they're like, what if we make wild super mages. soldiers and then... Yeah, to fight the shit show that we made with the monsters. Yeah, and then we'll send in the bears to get the tigers. Oh <laughs> this is like the fucking episode of Always Sunny where they're like, there's a cat in the wall. Let's throw in another cat to get the first cat out. But then there's two cats in the wall. Then they just like keep throwing animals into the wall. It's sound logic from a witcher's perspective. And yeah, that's pretty much what the mages did. They were like, let's just keep causing problems in the hope that they'll fix each other. Yeah. 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 It cancels out, okay? There's so what you're saying is this is all the mage's fault. Yeah. That is what I'm saying. Uh, there's also the beloved children's book, There Was an Old Lady Who Swallowed a Fly. Yes. Great piece of body horror for your children. Yeah. <sighs> uh, but yeah, uh, this is highlighting that the mages are an issue. They created the monster issue. Well, part of it. And then they made the witchers to fight off the monsters. And then they stopped making the witchers and they killed they... off the witchers. Yeah. And what did they need the monsters to fight? Probably the elves. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying the mages have been the cause of these major conflicts for yeah. a long time. Yeah, they have. And so when you guys say mages and within the realm of the witcherdom... When they say mages, does that exclusively mean human mages? It never applies to another race? I think so. And I think it's... I mean, elves have magic, but I think it's different. I think it specifically means mages are members of the Brotherhood. Right. Which are students that come out of Eratusa and Banard. <laughs> yeah. And um, there are other magic users... If they're not a part of the Brotherhood, they're usually called sorcerers or sorceresses. Okay. And then if they are another... There's another order, though. There's the Druids. Okay. Right. Yeah. Which Yaskier does mention in the season. Yes. Also, there's Fringilla's new magic users, who she is training in Nilfgaard to basically rival Eratusa and Banard. Yeah, under the White And the plane. Brotherhood. You may recall from season one, beloved caster Mausak from Central. Oh, I miss Mausak. I believe in the name. literature, he's a druid. Yes, he is. This magic thing is crazy. <laughs> let's look at it a little bit. Uh, the mages, they're a problem, right? Yeah, let's talk about this. We haven't really delved into this before. We did a little bit in the last episode when we were talking about how they effectively are running the governments. The yeah, but, are, yeah. yeah. The magic they use. I'm interested in how you're phrasing this now. Well, it seems like they killed off everybody who had elder blood, right? Yeah, they tried to. People of the elder blood have been wiped out. Yes, very for the rare. Most part. It's very rare thing. Siri has it. And what did we learn in this episode from the Undying Mother? Yennefer doesn't have magic or a connection to chaos. Yeah. How is she going to get it back? From Ciri, someone with elder blood. Yep. Right. And we don't know how the original mages got magic. Right. I'm saying mages probably did whatever Yennefer is going to get offered to do to Ciri. Yes. Right. Probably. Yeah. I see. So you're saying, like, 
the origin story of mages getting their magic, we might learn through Yennefer trying to reacquire. You want her magic? magic? You gotta get right from the source. We do seem oh. to be getting a lot of like origin stories, uncovering hidden truths and solving mysteries. So yeah. I think you're on to something. Elder blood lets you tap into chaos, right? The fundamental rules of this world. And that seems to have some sort of connection to the monsters. It lets you tap into this place, right? Also, the monsters are seeking Siri. They're not trying to harm her necessarily. No. From what we've seen so far. I mean, I thought they were trying to harm her. But you guys didn't. The Myriapod, it was uncertain what it was up to. They're definitely drawn to Siri. Yeah. They come Which, if she becomes a witcher, will make her job very easy. They come from another world. There could be other beings in that world trying to control the monsters. There could be another being looking for Siri. Mm. Maybe it's this somebody in this wild hunt that we've seen. Yeah. Well, we know Lydia is looking for Siri, and whoever Lydia is working for is a mystery. Which is not Nilfgaard. She's not working for Nilfgaard. So she says. So she says. But you know, mages with their honeyed words. Wait, you think she could say something that isn't like, true? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, now let me tell you something about this show we call The Witcher. Whoa. <laughs> I guess the conclusion on the mage thing is they seem to be a chronic starter of wars yeah. and conflicts and creating new problems to deal with the old ones in a way that is sort of a perversion of nature and an extortion of this world. So. That's its own kind of cycle of violence. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh. Lies. Maybe mages are a problem. Geralt, you know, I see his bias a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, they do seem to be untrustworthy. So before we move on, I just want to talk a little bit about a theme that was kind of uh, throughout this entire episode for a lot of the characters, which was powerlessness and helplessness. We start off with this scene of Reince imprisoned. He's behind a wall of that magical inhibiting steel. He is released. He sets out to find Yaskier, imprisons Yaskier, kind of like tortures a confession out of Yaskier, where... Yaskier kind of tells him how the sausage is made when it comes to bardic stories. He's like, right. uh, listen, I make up 90% of this shit to sound good for an audience so I can make money. Like, you can't get a lot of truth out of my stories. That's not the whole point. We've got Siri with these feelings of powerlessness that are driving her towards self-destructive behaviors. We also see Yen watching an elven child be separated from their family and she, Yen is trying to use her magic. She's like begging with the undying mother to let her have power to help this child. And then later on in the episode when she's basically confronted with death and imprisoned by the guards, she finally makes this deal. But a lot of what we're dealing with are these feelings of helplessness and powerlessness that are driving so many of the characters to different types of actions. Even Geralt, to some extent, he's a really powerful physical specimen, right? But he feels really powerless when it comes to Ciri and how he can 
give Siri a better life or to care for her the way that he's supposed to care for his child. And it's really woven together very nicely in this episode. And I think it's another great illustration of why this show is so good at locking in its themes and reiterating them through multiple storylines and seeing multiple characters' perspectives and kind of dealing with similar problems at the same time as we're watching, but spanning across the entire continent. And sometimes, like with season one, across time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, parallel lives and parallel circumstances and issues that they all deal with. And it's also juxtaposed, interestingly, with Siri's whole arc in this episode of having this incredible power to basically recreate Mm -hmm. something that's been lost. She has these um, visions inside of her Doldusha, which is the Valley of the Soul, this kind of traveling into her psyche that Triss leads her on. Triss is like, this is crazy, like... This shouldn't be this way. People shouldn't be able to interact with us. She was, uh, Triss was grabbed by the elf warrior woman at the end of series vision and like is being choked. And she's saying up to this point, like nothing should be able to hurt us here. This is just your mind's visions and memories and stuff. Yeah. It is way more than that. And it's clearly way more than that. Pavetta is able to kind of communicate with Siri, you know, uh, Siri's mother, as they're seeing them on the night or on the day before Dooney and Pavetta were supposed to have died in a ship accident, in a storm on the sea. You know, all this wild stuff is happening. So it's this interesting kind of balance between powerlessness and then people who are powerful and how they kind of cope with that. We, we talked earlier, too, about how Yen kind of felt powerless without her magic, but mm-hmm. she finds a way to use her wit and intelligence yeah. to save Yaskier from Rince. Yeah, I was actually going to say that because, uh, like, I, I feel like Yen this whole time has been like, I need my magic, I need my magic, and she has felt so helpless without it, but then she does some pretty bomb-ass shit in order yeah. to free uh Yaskir and it didn't require any ma- magic it just required like guile and cunning and I loved that about that scene but then later when she is helpless herself that's when she like gives in to the temptations of the deathless mother and I felt I felt disappointed in that scene I was like <laughs> I mean, you guys probably know, I've just been so hopeful that Yennefer is going to, like, find meaning outside of her power and that she won't resort to doing, like, these really cravenous things um, in pursuit of power. I was really hoping that she would be forced to let it go. Oh, no, another Frozen reference. (laughs) (laughs) She um, starts singing the song. Yeah. She creates a palace of fire. Yeah. I was hopeful, too. I, I was hopeful that she would go to Zintria and join up with Fringilla and Francesca, even yeah. though it's kind of problematic. I, so Ooh, just, I do not want to see that happen. I do. I, wa- I want to see her, like, care about something. I want... Like, I think it would be okay if she went there and she tried to help with the elves and maybe she 
Maybe Frangilla does some fucked up shit and she's like, you know what? I don't want to be a part of this, but I want her to try. I want her to do something. But now she's on this like self-serving quest, which is just very frustrating for me watching this. <laughs> it's just like, I, I, I still have so much hope that she's going to like, I don't know, think about somebody other than herself. And she feels like the only way she can ever help anybody is with her power. But she literally proved that that's not true in this episode. And she's incapable of seeing it. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll see what happens when she runs into Siri and possibly Geralt again in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think we can head into final thoughts. Okay, so the episodes are getting more and more jam-packed. There's lots of threads coming together. Still lots of unanswered questions. We're past the halfway point, though, so I want to know what you guys are thinking about the season so far. Fucking loving it! Oh my god, I'm fucking loving it. I'm so excited for next season. I mean, episode, but also season. Yeah, all of (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah, I... I am more intrigued by the writing in this season i think that the stories are more compelling the character arcs are more engrossing it's more interesting to see somebody fall down and then see how they get back up again yeah (laughs) and uh who might help them along the way and why and i think that's something that we all have some experience with and we can identify with that kind of story so, um, I've been enjoying that so far. Nice. I'm pleased with the second season so far. Because season one, the bad guys, they're just unknowable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, those guys, yeah. they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nilfgaard? Nilfgaard, they're, um, they're bad. They're bad. They're, uh, but season two, I feel like next episode, all the bad guys could get together and do, like, a dance number. <laughs> Because they're they're becoming friends, we're establishing their morals and their values, they're getting a lot more screen time in humanity, or alfanity. Yeah. (laughs) Like Frangilla and Francesca, they're becoming buddies, Kahir got a lot more personality with Yen. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It'll be interesting to see where that goes. And then there's this new guy, Rince, and you know... He doesn't have a lot of detail yet, but he seems like he's having a really good time, and that makes me like him. (laughs) He loves his work, even though his work is being an evil mage. Alright, now look. This setting is grim, and, you know, characters that are having fun are endearing, and if it just happens to be the bad guys, well, the writers just want me to root for the other team. Alright? That's where we're at. (laughs) I like the villains. <laughs> That's good. I love a compelling villain myself. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe they were villainous under Kahir's world, but Frangilla's actually not going to... They're just going to turn it around. That's I right. Nilfgaard all the way. Under her... She was kind of controlling the other mages before and getting them to kill themselves to make fireballs, but... I insist that we do not know with absolute certainty that they wouldn't be willing to self-sacrifice for the greater cause because they are a zealot regime. But what do you say about the person who asks you to do that? And who indoctrinates you into that regime. But she's also been indoctrinated. Yeah, true. The mages would have you believe otherwise. 
the mages would have you believe that they're the ones who control the, the throne and the, the power of the kingdom. Is someone asking you to become a fireball? Just say no. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking's not cool, kids. It does seem like Fringilla <laughs> is different now, though. She is focused on helping the elves build up their empire together with Nilfgaard and yeah. taking in refugees. Yeah, yeah. she has a new purpose. It could be um, selfish in some regards, but it yeah. could have a potentially benevolent yeah. execution outcome or, or outcome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I it is hard to not want something good to happen to the elves given how terribly yeah. they yeah. are treated yeah. by the humans of this world. Yeah. Besides being genocided and then hunted down and hunted down, yeah, uh, abused in the streets, separated from their families, humiliated by guards. I mean, the show is doing a good job of making it hard not to like feel for everybody involved. Yeah, like Jack was saying, it's really highlighting their personhood. Yeah, and I think that's what's really successful about this season, like you were saying, Jack. And I, I've i enjoyed a lot of things about this season, but that's definitely also a really good part of it is like, you know, we haven't seen the white flame guy yet, but that's we have it. seen some of the other people from Nilfgaard. And, you know, everybody feels some level of like relatable or at least like understandable maybe not relatable but definitely like i could see why you did the thing you did which is so much more compelling of uh where their internal logic may have came come from yeah motivations feel fleshed out yeah but it's more compelling character uh characters and character development um so i think that's a really good part and then also i'm just really enjoying the representation of the monsters yeah. yeah, the uh, the Chernabog in this one was this a crazy yeah. looking yeah. thing. It's like a it's pretty stone cool. gargoyle thing. Yeah, it almost seemed like a mixture of something that came out of another realm and that it was created by Siri because the shards coalesced as part of that thing when she was screaming Geralt's name. Same too. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It was, like, made in that moment. Yeah. In stalagmites or whatever. Yes. It also looked like it had a weak spot on the back of its neck. I'm just going to shout it out. Yeah, I noticed that. next episode. Wow, you guys noticed that? I didn't see that. (laughs) Well, the body of it was, like, black obsidian, and then it had, like, a red, veiny neck. Oh. Or, like, tendrils or something. Our gamer vision. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jack and I are just hunting weak spots on the monsters. (laughs) Like, I know where to hit that thing. Yeah. You know, guys, we also got, I believe, our first actual look at the Wild Hunt this episode. Yeah. Oh, what's their deal? I feel like they've said the word Wild Hunt. They have. At Somebody some point mentioned in the show it, once. But it was kind of passed over pretty quickly. Yeah. It's yeah. one of those background things that's going to get real important, I'm assuming, yeah. at some point. Maybe yeah. not this season. Maybe. We'll They're see. They're planting the seeds. All right, well, I think that'll do it for us here on another episode of Satire TV. We hope you've been enjoying watching and listening along with The Witcher with us because we've been having a great time. Yeah. Thank you, as always, to our friend Casey for joining us. We love talking about the show with you. I love being here. It's always a lot of fun. Yeah. (laughs) We definitely laughed a lot. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good sign. It's probably all going to get taken out and put somewhere into the reserves for later. Laugh track. Maybe some of it, maybe some of the best stuff 
maybe you should figure out if that's true by becoming a patron. And checking out our outtakes episodes. On patreon.com slash source and satire. That's right. If you have the means, you can sign up to give us a monthly contribution and get access to some awesome stuff that we create exclusively for the patrons, including those hilarious outtakes. You can also follow us on social media. We are at Swords and Satire on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can keep up with the show's episodes and the movies that we watch through meme format. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) It's the second best way to consume part of our show, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You could uh, engage. Engage! Engage. All right, Picard. Exactly. (laughs) Well, that all sounds really awesome, but if you don't have a few extra coins to toss toward your favorite satirists, another way you can support the show is by telling your friends and family about our show. If you tell your friends and they tell their friends, well, that's a much bigger community for us to share our fantastical laughs with. You can watch the things that we watch with the people that you like, and then you can all listen to the episodes together. That sounds stupendous. It really does. (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) But if you got some extra cash, you could up that patronage, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Do what Casey said. Up your patron. (laughs) Be cool like Casey. I appreciate it. Become a producer of the show. That's right, listener. You've been warned. And thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) But until next time, Hail Hail Crom! Crom!